Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux, I am Peter, that is Connor and we talk about movies on this show and we are still catching up in 2018 movies in time for making our top 10 list, which admittedly, if you're watching this publicly on YouTube, uh, that's already been up, that top 10, because this goes up early on Patreon, uh, which will be up for a few days before yeah. that top 10. So you already know whether or not this made the cut. You do indeed. Uh, we're going to be talking about Roma, which is Alfonso Cuaron's Netflix film from late last year. Uh, it's obviously nominated for a bunch of awards. It was one that we knew we both wanted to check out. We both loved the trailer when it came out. Uh, we were busy at the time, but it, we knew we wanted to squeeze it in before getting to our end of year discussions. So here we are. So we'll start spoiler free, as we always do. We'll give you a warning in the middle before we go into spoilers, and we'll go from here. So, yeah, so this is a Netflix original film. Which has some caveats with it in terms of like anticipation now at this point. Uh, it does, yeah. Even from directors we typically like. Yeah, because this is the notable thing is that there's been several films now where I've really liked the director, and then they make a film for Netflix, and I'm like, uh, the examples it's, I would. It's bring, okay at best. Yeah, the examples I would bring up are mute. I would bring up Velvet Buzzsaw in this discussion. Um, Apostle. Oh, Apostle's another good one. Yeah, and Apostle was probably the best of those movies, but still. Uh, I didn't see Velvet Buzzsaw yet. Uh, I can say that Mute is, is the worst of those movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Screw that movie. Yep, I can't argue with it. So, yeah, so obviously we come this. But, of course, the one safety net here is that this has been nominated for awards all over the place, so there must be some merit to it. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's it's pretty well regarded. Yeah, uh, and yeah, so so Carr, did you, I mean, before, I don't even want to talk about plot yet, just, did you enjoy Roma? No. Here's the thing, it is superbly directed, cinematography's great, it's full of symbolism and things that I, that I should, but, but I didn't enjoy it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't end up connecting, and it just kind of fell a bit flat for me, despite all of those things. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was Perhaps not, a, a very controversial opinion. I was not prepared for this eventuality. I did not see that coming, honestly. Yeah. Um, I liked it more than you did. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I want to make this clear. I still think it's a really good film. It's so well made. I just... It just didn't land for me. It didn't connect. And... With the film like this, when you know, when when all it's about, you know, it it doesn't have a, a a true narrative. It's just this character piece. If it doesn't connect like that, it just, yeah, kind of almost fails. Well, fear not, audience. I liked it quite a bit, so you'll be getting some positivity from my side of the screen. Hey, I've got plenty of positive things to say. Yes, but they all have, like, now that you've revealed what you think, though, there's going to be all these, like, this negative spin on everything. There's going to be this undercurrent the entire time of, yeah, like, it's doing this thing well, but there's always going to be a but. You know, well, well, here's the thing the but is the same throughout the movie. I just didn't connect. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, I'm not going to have to re say that every time. It's not like, oh, it's doing this, but it's doing that wrong. It's, it's no, no, no. There's very little that it's doing wrong. It's just, it's just not, it's just not hitting me right. I'd love to hit you right. No, I bet you would. I'm sure a lot of people would right now when we say this. As soon as I finished this movie, I was like, "Shit, this is going to be controversial." <laughs> I've got a crowbar that's got Jason Todd engraved on it. That's just waiting for you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> Um, so yeah, now Roma, Roma is fantastic. Uh, to to give you an alternative. You, I, I will say is yeah. this isn't the first time I felt this with with Karam. Interesting. I have a, I have a similar feeling with Children of Men. I quite like Children. I like this more than Children of Men, but I do still quite like Children of Men. But I have a similar feeling where I like a lot of the things it's doing. That uh, you know that that's got a bit more of a, a narrative that I can latch on to. Hey, I'll give you a, uh, Alfonso Cuarón film. I don't connect with. Uh, I know where you go with this one. <laughs> It's this stupid wizard movie, and there's this big tree and stuff. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Some snot faced little twerp and his two friends. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh-huh. Pr- prisoner of Alakazu or something to that effect. I don't know what it was. You called. know exactly what it is, and you're doing this just to spite me. <laughs> just want to make me correct you. Uh, no, no, I, I thought Roma was fantastic. I, I think. 
it's one of those films where within seconds I get what the filmmaking is going to be like and it's like, okay, right. Because Alfonso Cuaron in this film loves his slow pans back and forth. He loves it. 90% of the movie is wide shot slow pan. Yes, but there's close-ups as well. And I, I think oh, there the, is, yeah. the, the punctuation of the close-ups is very smart in how it, how it handles those. But what, what it really does is that it makes everything feel lived in and real. And obviously it's in black and white, if you didn't know that, it's in black and white. And everything you know, is 2.35 to 1. But it's got all these big wide shots and the camera's just slowly panning left to right. And it's it gorgeous. And it, yeah, it is a gorgeous film. But I think one of the things that it does so, so well uh, in doing this is that even though you know that on set, like they, they rehearsed this down to a T so that the actress would be in the right place at the right time for each part of the shot, because the shot's gone for a long time. They're very long, uninterrupted shots. Yeah. But it has this feeling of it's just catching what the character is doing and no more. It doesn't. It never feels like it's so choreographed where it's like, no, she's in the perfect place. No, 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 no. It feels like... I'll put it this way. It doesn't feel like the camera's following the actor. It feels like the camera's just going back and forth with a security camera and it's just happening to catch the relevant things. No, it is. Because it's not like she's always centre screen or she's always mm. in you know, the, the, the right third quadrant you know, or anything like that. It's, it never lines up neatly. It's just she's in frame and she's in focus. It, it, just, it does it so much. It's, it's so good. It, um, you know, obviously most of them are pans. There's one or two that are actually tracking shots. There's one big one towards the end that is more of a tracking shot than a pan. But yeah, um, it it does this repeatedly, and it just it makes the world feel lived in. It's all about showing the world and showing these long interrupted shots of her working in this house. She's she's a living maid for this this middle class family, and she's you know going around cleaning things up, cleaning after the kids, cleaning after the dogs, doing laundry, all these kind of things. And it's showing you the chaos, you because know, she'll be walking into one room, there's kids running around, and then she'll, oh, the camera will pan back over, and then the dog will be barking. It's just it's showing you how chaotic the world is. Yeah. Even though on the surface level, she's a living maid, how chaotic could it be? It's just a family and a dog. But it's showing you how chaotic the, 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 the world that she lives in is. And ultimately, this film succeeds at being a character study of someone who you would probably not give a second thought about, uh, but it's a personal story in what she's going through and what she cares about in the middle of a world that's kind of chaotic and it's chaotic in the house it's chaotic in a larger sense because there's like political unrest going on in the, in the country and there's other things going on uh the, the 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 family itself has unrest between the husband and wife and that's going on like there's all these factors all these layers of things around her are getting more and more crazy but she's yeah. at the middle of it all because we're focusing everything through her eyes and that's what makes it work yeah, definitely that's a character study so I can't argue with any of this. It's, uh, I, I agree with everything you've just said. I know, but usually when I say something, you, you give me a response of some kind, so I have to. I do, I'm thinking. I'm thinking like, how do I phrase this? Because it 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 is it is fantastically done. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's so frustrating. I I don't think I've ever been at such a loss for how to convey how I feel about this film or a, a, any film because it's. <laughs> It's so weird. I don't think I've ever been in this position. This is just like you walking into a review saying, I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. I can't tell you why I feel this way, but I'm just wrong. It kind of is. I I agree that I'm wrong. Like, it is... When you go... You you, you, you start that by going, oh, it's a fantastic film. And I agree. Even though I didn't enjoy it. And I don't think I've ever felt like that. Usually, uh, if it's if if I didn't enjoy it, I go no. It's you know there were all these things wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But there's not. <laughs> uh, so we talked about the camera working in the direction, uh, which is flawless. Uh, another yeah. element that I think is pretty damn flawless is the performance from the lead actress, who I believe this was the first thing she'd ever done as an actress. Yeah, that's um, mad. Yalitza uh, Apriccio, uh, if I'm saying her name right, uh, who plays Cleo, the main character. That's a uh, crazy. Imagine first ever acting role like ever not even like small things right it's just mm. ever and then oh hey you're up for best actress at the oscars it's a, it's a very uh i, I hate to use this word because I, I just did a solo review for uh, eighth grade and i must have said the word authentic about a hundred times in that review and you i think have seen that now and would probably yeah. agree the use of that word was very yeah, <laughs> apt throughout. Uh, but again this feels very authentic you, you get the feeling that Caron didn't want an actress he wanted a person if yeah, that makes any sense this is obviously very personal this is all based on his life 
Yeah. So when when was he a living maid named Cleo? No, no, no. He's he's one of the, he's one of the kids. I'm joking. I was a joke. Yeah. I'm just just to just you know because you will twist my words. I, just, I know you will. I knew it was semi autobiographical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You will you will twist things. I think in an interview when it was coming out, he, he said uh, like ninety percent of this is from his memory. That's that's interesting. Uh, and you get you kind of get the sense, yeah, all, all these little things that are happening, they all feel like mundane little details that only you only get because you, that they happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. It's why uh, the chaos feels real. Did did he ever uh, say which kid he was specifically, or is it just sort of general? Uh, doesn't matter. I I want to say Paco. Okay. She's yeah the the older one, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, because it's in 1970. Uh, at least most of it is, because there's, there's a new year at uh, one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. But, probably about halfway through. Um, yeah, and you know, there's not a whole lot of setup for like some of the, the bigger things going on in the country. You, you hear a couple of hints about it, but mostly it just kind of happens. And it's the idea that Cleo herself isn't really involved or paying attention to this as much. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's history. If you wanted to read it, you, you could. Yeah, you can go and look into it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that much about Mexican you know politics and history of this time period. Or any no, time period, so you know, I, I, you know, I got what the movie told me, and pretty much nothing else. Yeah. Uh, but it, it feels like the movie doesn't want really to focus on the why; it's just about here is how it affects. Yes, here how it affects. Um, yeah. I wouldn't surprise me though if there is some subtle like, subtext and some of the other things going on. Because one one of the things that I was getting from this movie, um, outside of the the obvious, because because there's some feminist angles here, uh, of course, b- between. Hmm between the main character of Cleo and even even uh, Sophia, who's the, the wife of the, the family, who owns the house. There's feminist angles from that. I think there's also a lot of uh, class. Uh, oh, definitely, yeah. You know, I think that's one of the main themes of the movies, class, and how, you know, obviously she's at this lower rung because she's the maid, and then you get the family who are the middle class, and you've got all these differences between them. And then yeah. to, to a point, I'd almost argue, and the the, 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 the dogs, because there's a lot of dog symbolism throughout the film as well. Yeah. Um, I feel like the dogs are then kind of the next rung down. And there's definitely a scene where she's kind of realizing that she's not that much higher up than the dogs are in terms of their, their place in the household. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's a um, scene, without getting to spoilers, but there's a scene where she's looking at all these old dog heads that have all been stuffed and they're on a wall. And then yeah. the dog's like in her hand, and it's kind of this like they're all used for their purpose in the house, and then that's just kind of yeah. it, you know. Yeah. Uh, the other huge piece of symbolism that's that's recurrent is the the planes, mm. which was a. I feel like they must have just gone because screw it, we're gonna have to just keep them in because they're so often and uh, they're modern jets, right? You know, they're not mm. like you'd get in the seventies, so uh, it must have been just a case of location shooting word in. But one of the earliest shots. In the movie, it's like you know that we open on this this puddle of water basically, uh, and you get this you know reflection of a plane, and you know to go into the class thing, it's like no, no, that's the top, that's what you're you want to aim for. Yeah, because you know you, she's at the bottom, you know, on the floor, you know, with the, with the water, and then you know the planes at the top. Yeah, because the the opening titles play out over just this water swishing back and forth in this driveway. And yeah. then one of the things that the, the husband keeps complaining about is there's too much dog shit on the, the driveway. And we see that she's washing it every day, like in the morning, but like by the yeah. time he gets home, it's like, now nah, there's shit all over the place because the dog's just... Yeah. You know, dog shit a lot. Yeah, the dog's shitting a lot, yeah. Uh, so that, there's, 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 all of this stuff is baked in, in there. Um, and it's just, it's there, it's prevalent throughout the entire film. And it's it's not a film with a big action climax. There's an emotional core, there's an emotional realisation in the third act that, that kind of brings it all home. Uh, there, there's kind of hope for the future that things are getting better, but it is kind of baby steps, and it's de- it's definitely very personal. The improvements that happen by the end are very very personal and only really specific to this household, as opposed to something yeah. that's affecting everything. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And and it's just, you say there's no action climax, uh, not in the the sense of oh it's action packed, mm. but there is a a fantastically tense scene. Oh, there is. Uh, yeah, I know what exactly you're talking the about. Towards the end, yeah. that that's the the action climax of the film you know the closest you'll get yeah yeah uh but it's not an action film it's you know there's some no. wonderfully shot scenes but there are there's this great tension uh because of random things that are happening or because of uh emotional things that are happening in the scene but they're and they're really well handled uh, like it's one of those films where like the film's like two hours 20 minutes and i feel like yeah if this was shot in a conventional way by an other director it probably would be like 100 minutes long it'd probably shave off almost an hour but yeah. the style and the pacing of the scenes is what makes the film the film, and 
that's what makes it this long. And I oh, definitely, like the, the the opening credits. You know, you talk about the wars. Yeah. That, that's probably a good five or six minutes. Yeah, for, for me, that this is this is one of the, the styles that I love in cinema when it's done well. It's this confidence. It's not so much that the, the camera's been flashy. Because for the most part, it's not. It's just been really confident. It's been really confident in what it's doing. Uh, and I say it, I really mean the, the director and the cinematographer are being confident, but it has this mm. feeling of confidence throughout everything it's doing. And, you know, it's one of the things you you like to joke about my love for Bellatar films and how long those shots go on and how much they just rest on things. But th- this is kind of halfway towards that, right? It's, it's definitely not as out there as that those movies are, but it, it's... Yeah. On the path to that style where no no, we're going to sit and just pay attention to this thing for thirty seconds before the actor walks into the frame. Or we're going to sit and pay attention to this thing before this happens. No, I'm with it. It's it's a it's a confidence in knowing what they're doing. It's uh it's something I I, I always use uh, the music analogy a lot. If you if you look at like um like nettle music, for example, mm. like you know, you'll get some bands where it's all these flashy guitar solos all over the place, right? And then Maybe that you know over over a decade they'll evolve and it'll come out and it's like no 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 they learned that you know the, all those flashy music pieces they're just covering stuff up it's the core, but you know the the core songwriting underneath once that's at a point where they're confident with it that stuff tends to go away a bit and I feel like it's the same in, in film here where uh, especially in the editing as well like you know you you get a lot of quick cutting like oh well, we're not sure about this shot so we'll move away and look at something mm. else right. It's it's covering up the the core filmmaking element, whereas here it's like no, 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 this is exactly what it's supposed to be, and they know that, and they they went they didn't feel the need to try and cover it up with something else. Yeah, a lot of long takes, and it's worth mentioning as well is those long panning, panning vista shots. That's the cat kicking over an empty can. Uh, all all those panning vista shots, they're only ever when it's a world that Cleo herself is in. And knows and knows well, right? It's always from her perspective, essentially. Uh, the reason why I'm bringing that up is I'm thinking like the first time the dad comes home, it turns into all these close-ups inside the car because she's not in the car and it's not that's not her world is in the car. She knows this house and the, the like her little side house because that's the world she lives in. So we get all these big pans of what's going on in this old because all this location is open to her, but inside that car and the mystery of what his life is is separate. So it becomes yeah. all these really kind of like cryptic close-ups of just the hands and the eyes and the you know, like all these things. Mm. And I think one of the other big themes that are going on in the film is uh, the idea of those in power basically being in over their heads. I think the, the greatest symbolism for this is the fact that they've got this driveway and the dad's car barely fits in it. And as he comes into the driveway, he has to be really careful not to like scrape the side of the car. It's within like a centimeter of either side yeah until he gets to the door there's a little bit more room to get out but like it, it's, it's really absurd and there's a great thing later on when we see like uh, a, a new car drives inside the driveway and it's like a much smaller car and it's a sensible thing where it says we have this driveway we should buy a car that fits in the driveway yeah <laughs> because yeah. it's sensible exactly uh, um, we're not going to be ridiculous about it and be egotistical about it uh, and you know, I think that's why the things it's gone. But I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll save talking about any more of the, the, the details of the plot and whatnot yeah. for spoilers. But uh, yes, performance. Uh, not a whole lot of music to talk about. Uh, the music tends to be in, in. It's all source music, diegetic stuff. Uh, but more specifically, it's it's all uh, in scene music. It's not yeah. it's not source music that's added on as a soundtrack. It's all if there's yeah. a if there's a band playing inside the the scene then you'll hear the, the band playing but that's yeah it. the radio for example yeah. um tv you know but that's it but there's no score there's nothing like that it's all uh, again and it, it adds to the, the slow camera work where it's like no no we're just in the world we're not we're not you know making this a movie this is a an experience yeah. if you want to call it that if you want to be pretentious yeah. about it it's, it's one of the few elements that i'm maybe not as keen on is the the lack of any score entirely uh it maybe it pretentious is not the quite the way I I don't I don't want to use that word because I don't feel like that's where I'm going, but the idea of it's it's so baked into trying to be authentic that it doesn't it almost doesn't want to be a film at that point. It's it's trying to be real. I don't know if I agree. Uh, well, it doesn't want to be a film anymore because I've seen tons of movies, especially foreign movies, where they don't use score and they don't use anything yeah. like that. They they like the more kind of natural, 
Uh, yeah. At least presented as natural sound. Obviously, I, I'm sure there's tons of foley happening. I'm sure there's tons of things to make it sound good. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're presenting it as if no, this is all just the sound. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. For for me, that was fine. For me, it added to the kind of the <sighs> the suspense is not the right word. It, it is uh, not uh, not tension. Atmosphere. I was going to say ambience is maybe the the better word. Yeah, yeah. Mood. But, there's an ambience and mood to just kind of like waiting for the things to happen and some people who don't like slow moving films like ah things to happen so it's boring then you're saying no like for me I I find waiting for the thing to happen in a scene in this film way more engrossing than like I don't take your pick uh, Ant-Man the Wasp Right, can't like, say. Still haven't seen it. You haven't seen it, but like, and I had a decent enough fun with that movie. But for me, there was more engagement with me as a viewer, where I'm kind of in and you know, in, sucked into the world of this movie versus that film where I'm yeah, I'm chuckling and I'm, I'm enjoying some characters and it's just fine light entertainment. That this is something that you know it requires you to sit down, pay attention, and be surrounded by the world, right? Yeah. It, so, you know, it says a lot over the last couple of weeks or two. You know that been you know trying to catch up on a bunch of 2018 movies uh, you know as we said at the start of this uh obviously we've only done reviews for a handful but we've both watched more i still haven't put ant-man on the last one you're not even in the background <laughs> like, but you know you're going to watch it before you get to the next marvel movie yeah you will you know you will i know you're still, Which I isn't mean, that long away. I know. Connor's still pretending that he may not see Endgame if it's three hours long. I'm not. Not not in the cinema. I mean, me and Matt will review it. We don't need you, but... Yeah, no, <laughs> that's fine. I, I, I don't need to uh, to drag that review down. I'm sure uh, Tim might even want to be on that review. I know he's... He was on the last one, wasn't he? He was, yeah. If, if, if uh, schedules permit, I'm sure he'd love to be on. So... Mm. But yeah... Uh, so the spoilers? Full spoilers for Yeah, for I Roma? think we've spoken about everything else. Alright, so let's talk about the plot then. Let's talk about what's actually happening in this movie. Uh, and we'll probably I'll probably put out some more specific moments and touches that I like in the filmmaking that I can do now. Yeah. But the the main plot here is that she set up so there's, there's two live in maids, so it's her and another girl. And the other girls that got a boyfriend's like, hey, he's got this cousin, let's go out and have a on our day off, let's have fun and go to the movies or whatever. And we have this scene where they're out and they meet up with these two guys and the guy whose name was, I want to say... Began with an F. It was like Fairman, I think. Fairman. Yeah, that Fairman, sounds that, Yeah, it's Fairman. Um, and he's like, hey, it's a beautiful day. Would you not rather go to the park rather than sit in the dark? And she's like, yeah, sure. And they leave. But it just cuts to them like a hotel room. They've went and got a hotel room and they've, they've had sex. Uh, and it's actually one of the most bizarre scenes of the film because he he wants to show her his martial arts skills because that's what he's really passionate about now, and he's still naked though from the sex. So he's he's got this like shower rod, this curtain yeah. rod that he's he's taking off the off the wall, and he's just twirling it around. He twirling twirling what around? <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> both both the rod and his penis are twirling around. Uh, yes, yeah, both rods. <laughs> yes, very very heavily. Um, it's a, do you know what I love about this scene is I think I think the purpose of this I think the purpose of him being naked in this scene I think there's, I think there's a few couple different things I think one of it is to show how ridiculous it truly is because he is naked and you can't take your eye off the fact that his wiener's just flapping around from her <laughs> you perspective really can't, can you? I think the other thing is also the arrogance that he thinks that he's so good at this and this is so impressive that none of it is ridiculous like, again much like the uh, the husband with the car in the in the thin driveway this is him thinking, yeah, there's nothing about this that's weird or ridiculous. Like, I am I am so confident and, like, strong that this will look good. Yeah, you could... I think it also um, it's more just... Uh, he's genuinely passionate, right? And, and you know, the, 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 the being naked is more just... Uh, you know, it, it's who he is, right? This this is genuinely who he is, being into this. It isn't, it's not necessarily an act. Oh, I don't think it's an act, but I think he's in over his head. I think that's one of the themes oh, of the sure. movie. I, I, I think he thinks this is more impressive than it actually is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think that ties into the husband with the car. Uh, and then, of course, she ends up pregnant. She she realizes she's pregnant. And this is a really great scene. She goes to Sophia, and she tells him she's really worried about telling her. She's like, she's worried she's going to get fired for being pregnant. And Sophia is actually very understanding and offers to take her to the doctor and takes her to the doctor. And goes and gets her checked out, and you know gets a duty. You know, Th- throughout the film, she's really supposed to be like, "Hey, well, let's go buy furniture, like a crib and stuff." 
Yeah, well, I think that's what's interesting. Is Sophia goes a bit back and forth where the husband seems to like think the maids are shit because they're not doing their jobs properly. And Sophia, whenever she gets angry or frustrated about her marriage, she lashes out at, at Cleo. She does. Yeah. She she gets mean. She demands to to do her job. She she blames her for things. This is a thing. But there's these moments where like she kind of connects with her and says, "No, I'm going to be a decent human being." And she's understanding. And this is one of those scenes. But she tells him, she tells Furman in the theatre, they're in the cinema watching a movie, and she's they're, they're kissing and stuff, everything's all happy, and she's like, oh, by the way, I'm late, I think I'm pregnant. And like, and this is one of the beautiful things that I was going back to with waiting for things to happen, right? Where it makes you sit in the uncomfortable silence. And it's yes, a mo- so this is more waiting for something to not happen. Yeah. So they're in, they're in the movie, and like, you know, so she tells him this, and they sort of, he hugs her, and it looks kind of fine, like a nice reaction that'll, that'll go well, right? And he turns to watch the movie for like 20 seconds and we're sitting there waiting. And then, you know, he turns and says, oh, hey, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll, you know, I'll be back. And she's like, well, I think we're near the end. He's like, no, I need to go now, but I'll be back in a minute. It's fine. You know, and he leaves. And then we just sit there with her with nothing. And he's not there. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, the movie, the credits roll, lights come up and he's still not back. She looks around, she grabs his jacket and it cuts to the outside and he's, he's ran. He's ran without telling her where he, where he lives and he just basically doesn't want anything to do with this and you feel like okay so she, she's been abandoned which then ties into of course the fact that the husband of the family Sophia's husband is abandoning her and her and the whole yeah. family for a mistress uh, that, that's kind of what we learn over the course of the film yeah so not on a, a research trip is it that's what he's telling them yeah that's, that's what he was saying at first yeah, yeah. um and you know, obviously, there's some parallels here that, that, like, you know, both Sophia and Cleo kind of bond because they've they've both been abandoned. They, they they both they find solidarity with each other in a way that you know you don't necessarily see it early on because it seems like you know Sophia does look down on Cleo, but there's those hints like the pregnancy scene that kind of reveal that she does care yeah. about her. And I think it's interesting throughout the film, like even by the end, they're kind of a family unit at yeah. points, but even at the very end, there is still that social hierarchy where Cleo is still below. The family. There is, but I think at the end, because obviously one of the big climaxes of the film in the beach, uh, we'll get into what happens in that scene. But you know, when she kindly confesses something emotional, and you know, the family hugger, they're all hugging each other. It's one of the posters for the film, actually, is all them hugging on the beach. Yeah. And you know, you know, Sophia's kissing her on the head and saying, you know, we love you, we care about you, things like that. Like this is a weird comparison to make, but I can't think of any other way of doing it. It almost turns into like an Alfred and Bruce kind of. Like, sure, he's still the butler. He still does things for him. Yeah. But, like, you know, when they go back, she's still doing laundry, she's still doing things, but... Because I'd say one of the arcs of the movie is Sophia kind of realising that that Cleo is just, like, a, a you know a, an important part of the family who's loyal, yeah. who the kids like, the kids care about. But um, they just happen to pay. They just, they just happen to pay. Because there's, there's some great scenes early on, it's like when the dad comes home and they're all watching TV and... Cleo, like, you know, the, one of the kids, like, pulls her down to sit with them as they're watching, and then seconds later, the dad or whatever gives her an order to go do something, and she has to leave. And it's like, yeah, yeah for a second there, you were lulled into thinking you were part of the family, but then you were reminded you're not. And I feel like by the end, yeah, she her job is to do all these things, but it's probably going to be a much happier living environment, I imagine, uh, Yeah. at the end of the film. I, I think that's part of it, is Sophia gets over herself and sort of realises what is around her, what is loyal, what is valuable. Uh, and that Cleo's part of that. Um, so going back to you know Fairman doing a runner, uh, she eventually tracks him down later in the film. Like after the whole New Year stuff happens, yeah, she 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 tracks down the the other girl's boyfriend because it's his cousin and makes makes him take her to him. And he's at like a a training thing for his martial arts. So it's, it's quite a big class. It's like 60, 70 people yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. all spread out in this this field or whatever. And uh, we've got this instructor who makes them, <laughs> he gives a speech and then he makes one of them blindfold him and he does this thing where he stands in one leg with his, his hands kind of interlocked at the top. And they're all kind of like scoffing, like, oh, well, this isn't that impressive. And he's like, no, do it then. Do, do it with your eyes closed. And no one can do it. But notably, the crowd starts, like, the crowd who are just watching start doing this as well to see if they can do it, including Cleo. And Cleo's the only one Everyone else is kind of tripping and falling over, but she can do it. Yeah. Do you know what? I buy that this is that hard to do. Because mm-hmm. do you know the amount of times where I've like I've gone to get like a, a drink or some food or something in the kitchen? I've turned all the lights out. I'm walking back to, to you know a different room to eat in. And you know, it's completely dark. 
and I'm like, shit, I don't know how balanced this is. I don't know if I'm going to spill something because I can't tell. Mm. Like, even though it's in my hand and, you know, if I'm looking at it, or not even looking at it, it's just in my peripheral vision, it's completely fine, right? As soon as it's completely dark, I don't know. And I've occasionally dropped something because of that. So what do you think the symbolic nature of this is then, that, that Cleo can do this? That everyone else is failing, but she can pull it off? Yeah. Um, what does it say about her character? See, I don't, I don't, it's not a she's special thing. Yeah, I it's not. Because I, yeah, I, I think that's that. the, uh, the immediate reaction that a lot of people have is, oh, she's the only one doing it, right? Uh, you know, so she must be just better. Mm. And I don't think it's that at all. Because that doesn't track with anything. Yeah, I, I think it's you know kind of part of what I was saying earlier about the others being in over their heads or being arrogant or whatever. I think she she doesn't, you know, she she she's completely self aware about herself. She she's not yeah trying to prove anything. She's just doing it. She you know she understands who she is. I, th- I think that's part of it. Yeah. So many planes in this scene. I don't know if you were noticing them. Yeah, there was definitely a couple. I, I noticed a couple for sure. It was like every two minutes or so. This is a relatively long scene that, yeah. you know, that we watch. And every you know minute and a half or so, two minutes, there's just another one. I mean, if there, if there was one scene where they, they got some planes and they couldn't avoid it, it was probably this one. And that's why it's in the other ones, the other scenes. Yeah, yeah it definitely feels like no, there's a lot of location shooting because of that. Yeah. I, I mean, everything, I think, is location shooting in this. I, I would actually be surprised if anything was a set. Maybe the hotel room at one point. <laughs> I think I, I think I remember reading there is more extensive set work than you would think. Okay. I feel, well, I mean, it uh, doesn't feel like it, though. It doesn't, no. Uh, it's very, very well done set work, if yeah. that is the case. Yeah. Because you can't... Uh, very rarely could I point and go, oh, that's clearly a set. But maybe, the, maybe the main house is a set. Yeah. Or, you know, at least a set enough that... Um, a set that they design next to like a real place so they could do all that stuff like in and out of the alleyway that they've got going. Yeah, I think the all all the interior. It's, it's just a set. I think they probably did that, opened it up a bit more than you'd think, just mm. to, for the ease of getting the camera around and stuff like that. Yeah, probably. But yeah, uh, so that's very interesting. But so she actually talks to him after this. She she says, "Hey, Fairman, can I talk to you?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, why did you come and find me?" And she's like, "Well, I'm pregnant, and it's your baby," and he he very quickly basically says no it's not and if you ever come back here and try and claim that again i'll I'll beat you within an inch of your life uh yeah. and then runs off and it's like yeah he just you, tops on the back of a van yeah you're on your own and you know and the, the last time we see him is he's in the militia group that are uh shooting uh protesters in the, in the city and we have this very great scene and it's probably one of the more action-packed scenes if you want to call it that where uh, the older, the, the the grandmother of the family is because she, she's there around for most of the film. She's not like a big character in terms of like having her own thing to do, but she she's bringing her to get a crib. Uh, they're buying her a crib for the baby. And they come to this store and there's a lot of unrest in the streets. We see police all lined up and stuff like that. But we hear, whilst they're inside the shop, we hear gunshots. And this is some of the greatest camera work in the movies. The camera, you know, it turns and looks out the window and we just see what looks like hundreds of extras like running in the street and there's like gunshots yeah. going off. I think one of my favorite bits of the camera work at this point is obviously they start ducking down yeah. and the camera physically drops as well. So you can mm. see less out of the way. You can still see a bit naturally, but not as much as you could. Yeah, it emulates what you'd be doing in the scene. It makes the camera feel like it's one of us. You know, like, it does, yeah. Like you're in the scene with them. And then you know you come back around and someone, one of the protesters has run in the store to run away from the, the, the militia group. And these bad guys come in afterwards and demand to know where they've ran to. And they go up and they just shoot them in the store and everyone's freaking out. And yep. we get this close-up. Someone walks over to the group that Cleo was in, and we see this gun. And I, I basically said to myself, I bet this is Fairman when it reveals who it is. And the camera, yep. of course, pulls up back up, and you see the face, and it's him. And he just kind of stares for a bit and, you know, runs out. Like, that's it. That um, is it, yeah. And it's just how different his life is. Um, she didn't really know him. Not at all. Like, no. in no way. They probably went on a few dates, because there's a little bit of time, obviously, between... At first time, and then when she told him that, that, that she was pregnant. Yeah, she was so. like three months pregnant when she actually went to get checked. So. Yeah, so they've probably been spending some time together during those three months. Because I think it puts a whole different light on him saying, you know, martial arts brought him out of his... Because, you know, he was, he was into crime things before, and, you know, martial arts set him straight. And it makes it puts this, this light on it where it's like, 
Nah, whoever's been training you has had an agenda in mind. This has not been, yeah, you know, just like martial arts. But uh, so, so you, you've got that, and she's kind of left on her own. It's just, it's you know, it's, it, it leaves you with that pit in your stomach as the van drives off, or when he runs out the store, like, and she's just left there, kind of in shock and alone. It's it's really upsetting. But her water breaks in this scene because, <laughs> of yeah. course, it does. And and then obviously you, they can't get straight to the hospital because chaos. Yes, traffic is is backed up because there's all this chaos going on, and they get to the hospital, and we have one of the most heart wrenching things of the whole whole movie, is her baby is a stillborn, and they don't hear a heartbeat, and there's this shot where she's right in front of the camera, and they sort of do, they, they, they do surgery, they take the baby out, and we see the baby in the background, they go to a table that's like sort of yeah. further away from the camera, doing some CPR. And one of my favorite things about this whole scene is how she is constantly looking over there. She very, very, the only time she even looks at out anywhere else is when like the first part of the surgery stitch her up hurts a little bit, and she kind of like you know flinches and looks at them. But then she yeah. immediately her head goes back, and she's looking over at that baby the entire time. And then you know we, ha- we it's all real time. The doctor eventually comes over and says, "I'm sorry, we did everything we could, but your your baby's dead." And they let her hold it uh, for a little bit. Um, yeah. And she doesn't want to give it up, and she's you know it's very upset and. Is pulled away from her and she's left there lying again on her own. Like, you know, again, it's like all this chaos is circling this, but this is the most personal it's been the whole film. Like, it, it's like yeah. it's been getting narrower and narrower and closer and closer, this chaos, until yeah. it's kind of hit her here in the film. And yeah, it's heartbreaking. So it's after this where we get the, the wife, you know, now knowing that, you know, Sophia now knowing that the husband's not coming back. Because uh, because there's actually there's a really great scene uh, after they come back from the New Year's celebration where they all go to the, the movies together and they actually get a glimpse of their dad who's supposed to be in Canada with another woman. Yeah, it's a really simple little moment, but it's really good. Uh, but so they got a car, but they go, okay, we're going to go and visit. Uh, I can't remember where they said they were going, but they go to the beach basically. They go to the beach. Yeah. And they invite Cleo, and Sophia specifically says this is to make her feel better. She's not going for work, so you, you don't, she's not going to do anything for you. This is to make her feel better, and the kids kind of convince her to come because she doesn't really want to. And we get the scene where, she, where the mom tells all the kids that their dad's not coming back, and you know they're all kind of upset. And you know one of them's hugging Cleo. Yeah, one of them's crying. One of them's crying. It's a whole thing, and it's the next day in the beach, where we get probably this is probably what you were talking about with the yeah. action packed. Yeah, and Joe, but even before we get to that part, mm-hmm. uh, it's really interesting. We, we keep talking about how you know she's treated as part of the family, right? Yeah. From you know, the, this late part of the movie, and um, she's here specifically not to work, right? She's just there, and it's immediately the mom is like, "Oh, uh, you know, uh, can you watch the kids for for a few minutes?" And even though it's it's genuine, right? It's just in, it's it's almost just ingrained into us, like, "Oh, she can watch the kids." That's a pretty normal thing to ask someone. Let's say she was there with her sister, or she was there with a friend. Uh, no, 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 I get it. <laughs> but I think, I think she, she just immediately. It's just the first day. It's just it's so uh, routine for her to say that. Even then, mm. it felt like it to me. But yeah, so so it's like a couple of the kids want to go into the water, and it's like you can go in near the shore, but you're not allowed to go out far because Cleo can't swim. So Cleo can't come and get you if something bad happens. Basically, yeah. So. They're they're in the water and we're with Cleo and you know it's this side, it's this beautiful shot looking down the beach like you know where it's this completely side shot of her and then she starts like shouting at the kids and they're not responding so she starts yeah because because they walk back her and one of the other kids yeah. walk back up to you know the, the the sun lounges and and we have this long walk up first then yeah. you know the, the, you know it tells us how far away she is from yeah from it's the beach, just this tracking sure. shot. And then yeah. she starts walking slowly towards the water. She's getting close and close. And this again, this is one of the most. This is probably the most beautiful shot of the entire movie. And eventually, starts walking in the water, and she's getting, you know, trying to get to the kids. And she eventually gets there. But during this long walk in the water, she's getting hit with waves. The waves are really rough. They're crashing against her. And I couldn't help but feel that this was the perfect symbolism for the entire film, is that she's against the current the entire time, yeah. and she can't even swim. She's just walking. She's trying her best to just walk against the current, and she can't do yeah. it. And she does kind of get yeah. through. She does it enough to get to the kids, but it's just it was the perfect symbolism visually for her struggle through the entire uh, film. I, I realize that, that uh, we never tilt. You know, they said this is a, this is very specifically a tracking shot, yeah. not a pan, because we never pan and see just how far out the kids are. Never, because I think there's a danger of if you'd seen that, it'd be like, ah, oh, they're not actually that far out. 
right? Potentially. Yeah. Uh, but but obviously she can't swim, so even just not that far out is far enough. Yeah, because she's right up to her like a, her chin in water by the time yeah. she gets to them. Like she's not like it's it's not a safe amount for someone who can't swim. And yeah, so you know it, it was almost like every single big wave that hits her, and she has to like rub, you know wipe her eyes again. It was like you know the first ones the the class system, the second ones the the the, the sexism. The, the, you know it was like everyone represented something almost in and of it. I mean it doesn't really, but you could read it that way. Every yeah. wave represents something else. And it was, you know, it's this heartbreaking scene, and she gets the kids, she gets them back, and that then Sophia comes running in, and that's that's where we get this big image of the, the family all hugging, and like oh, Sophia came and got, you know, sorry, Cleo came and got us, and Sophia's like, oh, thank you, you know, and this is when Cleo admits something. She says, this is the moment where she says, I didn't want to have the baby, I didn't want yeah. her to be born, and it's this extra element to the film where there was this guilt because she didn't want this, and she mm. almost felt that she she. In a roundabout way, it killed the kid by not wanting her. Yeah, and you know, it's it's just this touching scene, and you know, the, the sun's behind them. It's there's a reason why this is the poster because it looks gorgeous. It does look gorgeous. It looks yeah. gorgeous, and it's just this, it's this beautiful moment, um, and it feels that like they are like, like you know, because because she's loyal, because she, she she's different than the dad. There's, there's this this bond between them that's 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 so different, and. You know, you, I think you can read into it. Why didn't she want a kid? You know, beyond just the personal reasons someone might not to, because she might not be ready, of course, and maybe because of the, the way the class system's set up, that she doesn't want a kid in this world right now. Yeah, I think uh, part of it as well as, I think she sees herself as part of the family to to extent that mm. you know she she already kind of has four kids. Yeah, she already, and she's good with the kids. Like, right from the yeah. one of the opening scenes, we see her playing with the youngest one. And yeah, she's the like, kids all like her as well. Yeah, the kids all really like her. Yeah. Uh, so, and you know, it's it's one of those things that I always like in movies and TV shows. The idea of the family—it's not about blood. It's just you know, the family becomes the family that it is. Hmm. Yeah, you know, there's there's nothing that works for me more than just the 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 characters who come together, the group of misfits or whatever. In some cases, because in this case, it's like mostly an actual family, and then like the extra element. But you know, it doesn't yeah. matter. That's still part of the family. Uh, you know, so that's that's something I all I always appreciate in in terms of messaging. Um. Blood means nothing, and I will stand by that. Yeah, I'm with you. We've been uh, over this before. We have been over this before, but it, it feels relevant. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. Much like the Scooby Gang on the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Can you tell I was trying to get through this without you doing that? I, I knew you were waiting for it. I knew you thought it was coming at some point. I was just dragging I, it I out. I knew it was, which is why I was like, I wonder if I can... Just, just nod through this, and you'll move on. I was dragging yeah. it out as long as I could before, before I had to jump in with it. Yeah, as soon as you start, I was like, "God damn it, I know where this is going." Mm. Any bloody excuse. Yeah. So the end of the movie is, is you know, like they come back to the house. The dad's taking his stuff. That was partly why they were away from the house for a little bit, and they were saying, "Oh, things are different. It doesn't look quite the same." It's like, "No, it's fine. It'll be good." Like, you know, some of the rooms have changed. Some things have changed, but you know, life goes on. You know, we're still together. You know, the mum's getting a new job. Like they're coming out stronger as a family on the other side of this, uh, Cleo yeah. included. You know, and we, we had the final shots. Her literally going up to the roof because we know up up in the roof is where the uh, the water tank is because she's been up there before for the laundry. So that's where she's going. She's going up to do a task like that. But there is this symbolism of, of her getting closer to the sky because we end with a plane. Yeah, she's going, going up towards those planes. Yeah. yeah, like I said, she's getting closer. She's 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 went up a little bit in the world. Uh, yeah. and not not even in job, just just in how she feels, just in in terms of how she feels treated. Yeah. By other people things are just a little bit better than they were before Definitely. um you know went through this crisis and came out on the other end um you know I mean, we lost over the new year stuff uh, it's worth mentioning when they're having the new year's celebration at the, the cousin or the uncle's house or whatever it is that there's a there's a fire in the forest and both the middle class families and all the servants families because there's a bunch of them all together right because because at one point we go to a bar that's separate that's like just all the servant families that are there mm. Um, and there's a couple of really great symbolism moments here. Uh, one is, you know, th- this other woman's giving Cleo a drink, and she's like, "Oh, I'm pregnant. I can't." And she's like, "No, no, one little sip won't hurt." And she goes to take a drink out of this cup, and someone immediately, accidentally, bumps into the back of her, and the cup drops and smashes. Yeah, it's a bit of a bad omen because uh, you know the thing is, oh, you know, to to uh, to a good New Year, whatever, mm. whatever the year was, I think seventy one, and and to your you know your baby's health. Yeah. Uh, that it smashes and it's like, well, shit. Yeah, I, I, I think there's, I think it's also symbolic for how she feels in a, in a way. Like she can't want anything nice because it'll, it won't end well. 
And sure yeah. enough. And then the other symbolism thing is that there's this big fire. So all the families, both rich and poor, all go out to help fight. Because if the forest fire gets to the houses, they're, you know, they're done. <laughs> so they're all working together with buckets to, to put, out, put out the Except fires. Except one woman who's strolling around with a wine glass. And one dude in a costume who counts down to New Year's and then sings uh, a song. Yeah. Um, but what I liked about this, symbolically, is to me this was saying that the current class system is unsustainable. It was like, ultimately chaos is going to keep happening and it's only going to get put out if the classes actually like work together right that's only yeah. get solved with them working together and maybe it's a bit on the nose maybe it's a bit you know it is a little bit yeah obtuse but it just it it, it, it worked for me in the scene because it was like cl- clearly this is this is here and so no um i kind of loved it I, like i you know, the filmmaker was working for me, the character was working for me, the, the emotional beats in the, the, the last half really hit home. This this is why I'm so frustrated, because I should love it. I agree with everything. But ultimately, it was just a case of I didn't, I don't know, I didn't quite connect with the emotional beats from Cleo. It never quite landed for me. It didn't hit me in the way that they should. And that, that kind of really... I mean, you know, that's the point of the movie. And that that yeah. just for some reason wasn't working for me even even though on a technical level acting you know across the everything is is working as it should be it just didn't work for me no i, I think she's great i think the character is inherently this you know that this quiet person and it's a great performance i like i, I think it's, it's an exercise this film and just every single scene you get the feeling for the, the the mood in the room, right? It's almost concerned with that as much as it is with anything else. And some movies don't even think about that, you know. It doesn't feel like that when you're watching them. But every single scene, it's like, no, here's the world that she inhabits. Here's the yeah. surroundings. Because the movie is as much about the surroundings as about her, but she is our, our, our lens through it. Um, and she's just one victim of this, this crazy world. But, mm. you know, the hope is that she'll come out in the end and you know, the strength, you know, comes comes by the end of the film so um no, it's touching and I'm, I'm sure i'm sure it's steeped in subtext that even we didn't hit on i'm sure it is oh absolutely this this there's a lot going on there's a lot going on i'm, I'm sure i'm sure you could write a thesis on this film and the political uh, side of things i'm sure you i could. am sure someone will and they probably will uh but what stuck out to me was the class differences uh the the, the feminism and a couple of other little touches but it, that, that was the, the real thing and just did the core character study uh but yeah. uh no it's great it's one of the best original netflix movies for sure like it's you know oh yeah yeah um so now uh roma is 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 fantastic so there you go uh what are you rating that connor i don't know <laughs> it's weird because there's there's two numbers in my head one is what it should be Right, you know, based on everything, mm-hmm. and one is how I actually feel after watching. Like, you know, how how I feel with it not landing. Yeah. And so I think the first number would be like a nine, but I can't. I can't as a personal score that that doesn't reflect my experience. So I think I'll have to come out and give it like a seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm going with a straight nine myself. Uh, Oh, that was fantastic. I get Aye. it. I, I, like everyone who says, "Oh, I love this film," who's like, "Oh, I, you know, I hope you know gets all the awards. It's deserving all the praise it's getting." I completely get it. I just, <laughs> I wish, I, I wish I felt the same way. So yeah, when we get to our top tens, now you've already seen these on on YouTube. If this is, if you're not seeing this early on Patreon, but you know when Connor has solo a Star Wars story above uh, <laughs> Roma, I just Look, want, I just want to point out the. My- the problems with that my, my top 10 it's a, it's a very personal thing it's not about objective quality it's about enjoyment uh and and how i how i felt watching the film which objectively and, makes you a horrible f- person yes I no, agree. that doesn't that doesn't that's how it should be and yes i enjoyed solo more than this film do i think solo is a better film probably not i'll, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. give you this one but did i enjoy it more yeah uh-huh Okay. 
Okay. 9 out of 10 for me. Uh, that is Roma. So you can, of course, let us know what you think of the film in the comments below. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, let's tell you about Patreon.com, though. Patreon.com slash TV is where you can go to really support us and everything we do here. You can support us for as little as a dollar per month. That gets you access to early stuff. This, for example, is a week early for patrons. Yeah, it means uh, next year when we're squeezing in all the 2019 movies, right? You'll see these before the top uh, 10. That's true, you get that. Um, starting in March, me and Tim are doing a bonus episode of Screams After Midnight, exclusive to patrons every month. That'll be at the dollar tier as well. Uh, we just started a Discord, and there's a, there's a Patreon-only Discord channel, which you'll get access to. So, a bunch of stuff um, at the $1 yeah. tier. But there's also the $5 tier where you get to vote on stuff, and other things, and then so on and so forth, and sponsor tiers, and producer yeah. tiers, and all that. But... To focus on the, the bulky ones, uh, your, your $1 and $5, there's a lot of stuff going on there. So uh, have a look, see if there's anything you want, uh, or if you just want to support us and get that, that mildly fuzzy feeling in the pit of your stomach. Uh, but that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, as far as movies go coming up, we'll be shifting gears uh, next week. Yes, uh, next week um, we're, we're shifting to Batman movies because March is Batman month because it is both the 80th birthday of Batman and the 1,000th issue of Detective Comics coming out in March. So, obviously, patrons will get those in the last week of February starting because they get them a week early, but there are March's uh, batch of movies for the month. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, shift gear from all these 2018 mm-hmm. movies to, to just uh, enjoy some Batman for a month. And, annoyingly, uh, we switched all of our designs over after the first... Because we recorded a couple of those in advance. Um, Shit, we did. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna see what I can do about jerry-rigging some retroactively. But Oh, slap it on top and, ex- <laughs> and, and force it in that way. Yes, but it had like a specific Batman overlay, which I'm going to try oh, and dude. do a new Batman version of the new one and slap I, that on I top. I actually think, given that this... Is already a yellow based theme. Mm-hmm. That'll look better. Should come across quite nice. Yeah, but it'll be swapping the text to black and it'll have a yellow yeah. oval. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll, I'll be tinkering with that next week. Um, actually, I'll be taking that tomorrow because we're recording another one in advance tomorrow. So I should probably have it ready for that. You should, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that is that is us, though. That has been 121 in Fox. Get us on the Twitters at Mail underscore Fuzz. And you can also buy merchandise over at the stores. There's links in the description to the US and UK stores. Get yourself some t-shirts, hoodies, hats, whatever, um, if you if you see fit. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies, guys. And we will see you next time.